I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, Episode 72, Tempest. You're listening to a Strange Assembly review. You can subscribe to the full Strange Assembly podcast on iTunes or by visiting our website at www.strangeassembly.com. Enjoy! I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Here with me today are Jay Earl. Hello. And Mike Cook. Hey. And we're going to talk today about Tempest times four. Tempest is a new game line that was released by AEG at Essen 2012. And what I'd say would basically makes it distinct is that they're taking the shared world concept that they've done well in things like Legend of the Five Rings and trying to apply it to normal board games like you might get with a series of licensed games, except they're coming up with their own license. Tempest is a basically Renaissance-era Venice kind of setting. I, I'd say Venice rather than Rallium Italian City because there are canals in it. You can go online and see a development kit if you're trying to make up a game and you want to do Tempest, and you see recurring characters throughout some of these things, like, oh, it's Princess Annette, and there it's Princess Annette again, and it's Countess Wilhelmina again. That covered the general concept, you guys think? Or? Yep. Yeah. Okay. There were four Tempest games that launched at Essen. I think three were in planning as Tempest for a long time. When one I know was in planning as Tempest for a long, long time, because Jay and I played a playtest version of it four years ago Something or five, ridiculous it was a like while that, yeah. and then the fourth one love letter i think got added in later when they saw it and said hey that's really nifty we can put the tempest skin on it and release it as as part of this so the four games are courtier and they're actually numbered too but it, it's courtier and mercante dominar and then love letter and the first three, at least, are all definitely in the Euro game category. You know, player interaction is in the form of removing each other's influence tokens or cutting off opportunities. Nobody's, you know, attacking or being eliminated. So we've had the chance to, but I guess Mike didn't get to play Courtier, but Jay and I have played all four of them. And we're just going to talk about each of them in turn, and then generally what we, you know, I guess what our impressions were of the four of them. So, I, Jay, why don't you go ahead and give uh, the listeners a general idea of Courtier. Okay, so Courtier is uh, all about influencing various nobles in the court to get petitions through. You're sort of an information broker who has other people coming asking for help getting petitions, and so you accomplish that. And in the course of Getting those petitions taken care of, you get victory points, which, as everyone knows, means you get to win the game. And eventually, at some point, the queen is randomly uh, arrested, because why not? And uh, that ends the game. Well, she that that's, she she commits treason, <laughs> and that sort of courtier is the first one in the line. The game ends when she's arrested for treason. 
and then when you go on to the next game, the queen is no longer around as a character. Uh, but yeah, you're you're putting influence on courtiers, and then it, it, so it's it a minor area control game in that way. You have you can control an individual courtier or not, right? Or you can control a suite of courtiers. So like even if you don't control the individual war courtiers, you can can control the war sphere, which gives you some amount of ability that you can do. Yeah, uh, yeah, and most of the time it was. Everything was very incremental. It was mostly just place one influence here, or place one influence over there, complete one petition a turn. And every time a petition is completed, it flips up some event that right, puts neutral happens. influence on guys, mostly. The second one was, in the line, is Mercante. Why don't you take that one, Mike? So Mercante is a bidding game, but it's also really, it's, you're, buying goods that are coming off of a ship and the hopes to resell them later and then you can use those coins to actually buy victory uh, but the coins do also directly translate into victory points at the end of the there's four different markets that you can sell the goods to so the market actually fills up as you uh, sell to it it will go back down but not very quickly every round of people uh, the person who gets the marker, um, gets to pick a couple of things to go off the market. But really, it's kind of a worker placement game, as well as kind of a bidding game, and just kind of cost opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I'd say worker placement and auction are the two primary mechanics. Every turn, at the start of the turn, there's an auction for one of the five shiploads of goods that have come into the city, and then you have some more standard worker placement mechanics where you start with two agents and you can use those agents to and in one warehouse to put goods in that you bought and as the game goes on you can add more workers you can add another warehouse you have to assign an agent in order to sell the goods that you've collected you can assign an agent to try to steal some goods from somebody else there's a couple of uh, more unique mechanics about it that i've seen like you mentioned the upkeep mar- marker mike one of the actions you can take is to buy a victory point, and every time you buy a victory point, then another victory point goes on the marker, and even with the victory points, there's a sort of sliding scale mechanic where agents cost less and less as the game goes on, because it's worth less and less to have another worker, but an individual just, I pay for a victory point, costs more and more as the game goes on, because there's less of a of an opportunity cost, but that upkeep marker happens once every... Like, if there's four players, it happens every three turns, I think. If there's two play- three players, it happens every two turns. Because when you have the upkeep marker, there's an extra phase at the beginning of your turn that clears off a few things. You auction these extra copies of victory points, I don't know, to give people something to do if they've accumulated too much money. And you flip up a new event. And then you flip up an event card, and there's a little calendar of cards that affect market prices. Basically, the three most recent ones. Yeah. I, I don't think their position ever matters. It's just the, which one gets bumped off last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And th- that's one of the other things you can do with your workers is you can draw a card and then get to play one of the cards in your hand, or you can uh, draw another card. Do some and, limited amount of market manipulation for the prices there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it is It is totally a purely economic game. I mean, oh, if, you're, yeah. if, if you're the sort of player who is, oh, trading in the Mediterranean, I loathe that in a game. Well, you're probably going to be out of luck. Right. 
But if you play Puerto Rico and you always grab the trading warehouses, this is the game for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the one that I actually, if you remember my, people who listen to the podcast may remember my Gen Con disaster. This is the one that I actually managed to play at the AEG big game night because I was just too crushingly exhausted to actually stick around for for Courtier or, or Dominar. And it definitely must have been a mindset thing because I know when I played it at Gen Con, I sort of felt like, well, that that seemed a little dry. And maybe it was just because it was the prototype copy or right. I maybe was just too tired. tired. Or, yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. too tired of stuff. But it definitely ended up playing much more lively than so, it might sound when you just think about, oh, I'm auctioning. How long did Courtier take to play, roughly? Oh, uh, not yeah, very. Not long, I don't Didn't remember. Even, it felt like maybe half an hour a game. The box, Courtier is two to four players, and the box says 45 minutes. I don't think it would take more than that. Because Mercante is about, was what, about an hour? Mercante is about an hour. And that's what and, it says, I think. Yeah, yeah right. Mercante, so, yes, it says about an hour. It supports up to, it supports from two to five. And it has a, I'm sorry, no, three to five. And it, it even has, the components are nice. I know, I know Jay's going to come in and say, oh, but it saves them money. But you have a nice thing where you see, you actually see repeated components and repeated art throughout the oh, game. Oh, that was me that said that. Oh, is that you, Mark? Yeah, no, okay. I'm, I'm not knocking them. I'm, for I'm that. not knocking think, it either. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a genius thing. That's- as I'm playing especially, more of the, especially given yeah the idea the or, theme. As I'm playing more of the fantasy flight, I'm I'm seeing that they oh, yeah. do that too of Absolutely. just reusing the same things, yeah. and so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's like you have a licensed property, except you're building it from the ground up. So for yeah, for fantasy flight, it would be like the Android right. universe. Well, and also, I would rather them pay. You know, completely pulling numbers out of my butt here. I'd rather them pay fifteen hundred dollars for a better piece of art that gets used twice than a thousand dollars for two pieces of art that are not as good that gets yeah. used separately. I'd yeah, rather yeah. see the same good piece of art for the same character in multiple things. You get to see things like the yeah, the same money gets used again, but also and, and maybe partially because of that, the components all seemed really high quality. The boards are, are online. I know Jay got to listen to me wax on it. They did a really, really clever thing. I thought with the player boards oh, in Mercante, Mercante yeah. which is, like I said, there's three to five players. There's a track that keeps uh, track of what I was talking about with where the agents cost more at the beginning and then victory points cost less, and then that changes. And when you get to the end of the track, that's one of the ways that the game can end. Well, that track is longer for four players than for three players, and it's longer for five players than for four players. So what you get to do is they have a separate a board that has each of those different tracks on it. And so you have the three-player track and then your three-player boards. And then if you want to add the fourth player in, you can flip over the three-player track and on the other side of it is the fourth player board. And then there's a player board on the other side of the the four one too. So that lets you... Yeah, the double I, I just like that. It, it just... Instead of piling more junk on me or having right. like more lower quality things... I mean, because the player boards are actually boards it's cheaper for them you have less things that you have to keep track of and it keeps the quality high the third game is dominar and i'll just i guess disclosure in advance that was the one of the four dominar is one of the four that i liked the best dominar is a longer two to three hour area control game each of the players is the head of a conspiracy that is trying to influence events behind the scenes in the city after the king seeds a lot of power in the wake of the the queen getting arrested and so you have different areas in the city like the senate and the church 
where you can have influence. So you got standard things within an influence area control sort of thing where like, you know, you put little wooden cubes of your color on different sections of the board to indicate that you control it. You can control the whole district, you control individual blocks within a district or not. But then there's the there are there are two mechanics that sort of stand out. One is exposure. You're a conspiracy and you don't want people to know what you're doing. So there are benefits in the game to staying low exposure. And there are things you can do that are flashier that may help you, but then they raise your exposure and one player is always the scapegoat and bad things can happen to them from event cards that that flip up every player around. And then the other unique thing is that you, as the game goes on, you recruit more people into your conspiracy and then you reveal more people as members of your conspiracy and they start acting. So over the seven seasons of the game, each season you put into play another member of your conspiracy who generates a little bit more influence and generates a little bit more money and has a few more player options. And that is really where the playtime comes in is when you get to the later rounds, you have all these agents to go through every round generating influence well, and stuff. And also the agents have abilities, but the, the you you literally lay them out like one, two, three, four, five. Every age you lay one down. And yes. the abilities have a number next to them, and you can use either one if it's that place or higher in order. So get figuring out what order you want to lay things in can also can take up some time. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. At the beginning, you get dealt uh, a certain number of agents, and you choose a few, and those are going to form your first three ranks or so of agents. And then halfway through the game, there's a little draft of additional agents, and you have to try to figure out yeah, who's going to fit best into what slots you were. But I like the fact that even though it took time, everything is always it always it's always flipping back and forth between right. it the didn't players. Feel like there was a huge amount of downtime yeah. that other complicated games like this can yeah. have. I do my rank one guy. You do your rank one guy. You do your rank right. one, and it's then two, 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 three, going three, three, around and around. Yeah, yeah. So you never really felt that. Probably the only thing that felt like it bogged down was when you did that draft, and there were sort of all these different combinations with who have I drafted. I don't even know if played. that really felt like it bogged down because everybody it was like we were all new to the game. Oh, we were yeah, all yeah. looking at the cards. Right. I mean, mostly no, yeah, bogged yeah. down in that. Oh, I've got to read like yeah, eight every, cards. It, it, it's now a lot. To it's everyone out. stopping and thinking all yeah. at the same time, but it is stopping and thinking. But I. I liked it a lot. I liked how they did the little bits of influence at a time. I often don't really like area control games, because especially when you get to the end of an area control game, and there's just all this craziness about flipping this one chip in the one place that's going to do that, and I, for whatever reason, that just usually does not work for me, but Dominar, I thought, did it very well. So... I I liked it. I I personally now am more given to hour-long games, so the length of it is is kind of a downside. And it's not like not enough of to, that I would not play it, but I would rather play two or three hour-long games than like one. Oh no, no, that's yeah. It's I mean, yeah, the, the game is what and it supports up to was it five? six? Oh, was it six? Oh yeah, yeah it was I think six. It was six. six players. We yeah. we did not play it with more than four. Right. Yeah, but if if you're playing it with six, that's gonna be your game night. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, Even yeah. with four, it was a lot of time. It yeah. was probably at least two hours. No, no, yeah, and it's and the box yeah. says two to three hours. Yeah. It's not. It's got different board. The board is double sided. There's one board that's designed for two to four players, and the other side of the board is for five to six. You can play the other way, but the five to six player board just gives you a lot more spaces yeah. to deal with. So it's it's you can play on the bigger map with fewer people if you want something that's very 
right, non-competitive. Yeah. Or you can play with six people on the tiny map if you want people just jacking each, each other all over the place. I, mean, I like it. I thought there was a lot of really good designs. Uh, discourage me. But I would say that you, you probably want to go into this with people who generally like this type of game. Because the problem with the longer games, my, I find this for any game that's fun because uh, Eclipse is kind of the same way. It's very fast for the type of game it is. 4X usually takes forever. For only 45 minutes a person, that's really fast as well. As much as I like that game, if you figure out you don't like the game and you're like an hour into it and you got, you know, you've got like another couple hours. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, it it, it just really just amounts to you. If you're not with people who are interested in sitting down for a two to three hour game, of course, a two to three hour game is not something that you should sit down no. for. Well it's, it, well, it's probably my personal preference because I've been playing with uh, a playing group with a lot of people where people are cycling. So we have a lot of new people and it's like, so three-hour games or even when people try and say, uh, let's play uh, Battlestar Galactica, I'm like, no, please. Just <laughs> two hours. Oh, I thought that was just because you had played it too much. Well, that too. <laughs> and for all the length, though, one of the nice things about getting into it is that it starts out very straightforward because you start with only that small number of agents to choose out of rather than having the drafting at the beginning of the game. Yeah, right? I, I think and, that was a And well you done. get just one agent at the beginning, and then you get two. So right, it, it, it smooths builds. people into it. It's not as much like, you know, like, we're recording this on January 1st, and we've had sort of a, a little mini game marathon here over the last several days with a variety of people cycling in and out. And, and even though Dominar is... It was just as long as a couple of the other games we played. Like, Jay and I last night played Horus Heresy, and this morning we played Merchant of Venus. And both of those have about the same playtime, right. but those have immensely more fiddly bit setup yes. at the beginning than yep. Dominar did. So at least that, right. it did not have that same level of of high octane, like, you start with 7,000 things right. on yeah. the board. I mean, there was some minor amount at the end of putting away all the fiddly bits, but... Nowhere near at the beginning the fiddly no, bits. I mean, I, I like it. I just like I like Mercante and I like Dominaire. My Mercante probably I liked a little bit better just because it is the shorter. But Dominaire, yeah. it it felt like you know I was having fun the entire time. It wasn't like I was wasting or I wasn't really sitting there. Yeah, the fourth one of the games is Love Letter, which is on the opposite end of the playtime spectrum. Yeah, it uh, takes like twenty seconds. <laughs> yes, so so Love Letter. Like I said, this is the one I, I believe got picked up and added later. It's one of these, uh, if you go to Japan, they have like little mini board games and card games like in convenience stores or just like it'll be on the rack before you're checking out. You can buy them there, $10 or $15, whatever. I think the MSRP on Love Letter is $10. Yep. Uh, it comes in a little hanger. You then throw the plastic wrap away because it has a really a nice felt bag in it. The game is 16 cards. And that's it. Thematically, it's your your suitors for the princess, and you're trying to get your love letter in. the The game is played a number of rounds. You have to win four rounds. Four. Well, four. It depends. It's two to There's four players. players. You have to All win four right. rounds if it's four players. I think five rounds if it's three players, and then seven rounds if you're only doing it two players. I have not played it two player. I've played it three and four. But it's you start with one card in your hand, and there's a deck in the middle. You draw a card. You discard one of the cards in your hand, and it has some sort of effect. And you've got cards that are like, name a card, look at someone's hand. If the card is in their hand, they're knocked out of this round. The princess is the highest value card, 
obviously, because that means you're directly being able to hand your love letter to her. But if you are forced to discard her, you are knocked out of the round. Either the round ends when you run out of the 16 cards, or... Everyone's knocked out. Or, or everybody's knocked out. And if you run Which, out of the 16 cards, then whoever has the highest value card wins. So if you have the princess, you win, or her best friend, Countess Wilhelmina, that's the second best card to have. That sort of thing. And then, yeah, you play a number of rounds. And each and each round takes, yeah, two minutes? Yeah, something like that. Tops, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it is... I don't know if it even counts as filler. It's not... I mean, you can play this at the dinner table while you're waiting for your meal to come. It's not... Yeah. It's super fast. And it, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's light. It's it's hard to directly compare it to, like, do I like it better or worse than some other game? Because they're not even the same kind yeah. of beast. Right. I mean, but, not even Flux, which could have the potential for that quick of a game. It can also have the three-hour game. Please do so not insult no. Love yeah. Letter by comparing it to Flux. <laughs> I would have to agree. Although it did just come out on iTunes. Uh, yeah, I can just I can play Kalis on my iPod. Why would I need to play Flux? <laughs> uh, you can play Summoner. I also have that too, although I just have the Phoenix Elves because I haven't or paid for it. Or you can play San Juan. That I, I don't. Or Puerto Rico. Often when I end up getting them, it's because I happen to look on Board Game Geek and one of the news items is such and such iOS game is on sale for 99 cents. And yep. You're like, okay, I'll go buy Sold. all those Reiner Knizia yeah. games. I got Dominant Species, but it was like $6, and I couldn't even get through a game before I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that game gets so well rated. It was. I have not played Dominant Species. I did play... Kalis was $5, but we're supposed to be talking about Tempest in this, so yeah. people probably don't well, want we, to... Well, uh... we mostly covered most of the games already. Well, yes, but I, and and you're welcome for this insight into the, the mind of Strange Assembly listeners, I had kind of wanted we'll to have, have this ADD. to be a standalone-y... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, our normal episodes are very uh, rambly. I wanted to kind of <laughs> keep we'll this one on. We'll just tr- 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 yeah. yeah, we don't, we yeah. don't cut things out. We can, well, we can, be I can talk about how he doesn't like dominant species. I could talk about how I don't like Alien Frontiers. The audience could be like, what's wrong with these people? Those were both really popular games. How can we take <laughs> their then, opinions seriously? Yeah, we completely discredit <laughs> everything we're saying. <laughs> <Hooray>! <laughs> Which is probably not a bad thing. <laughs> but... So, yeah, out of the four, I thought it was pretty consistent. The only one that I was disappointed in was Courtier, which I was surprised by. Like, I thought that that was going to be, because it was lighter than the other ones, I thought it was going to be more exciting and back and forth. And I I just, like, I play a card, I put a token on, like, you've got to give me yeah. more to do on my turn than that. Right. It wasn't that it wasn't bad, but I, I did not get excited about that one like I did for the other ones. Yeah, well, like... Uh, honestly, I feel like we would be a lot more enthused about Cordier if Mercante and Dominare weren't sitting right next to it. <laughs> yeah, Mercante isn't that much longer than Cordier, and I'd pretty much always play Mercante over yes. well, Cordier. Well, and Mercante has that really good feeling of I really wish I had one more action. Like it's it does a good job that like a lot of those Euro uh, worker placement games do of you know I'm just shy. I'm really having to make some choices. Uh, it's I'm I'm always feeling a little bit less than what I want to do most until towards the yeah. end of the game. And Dominar, it doesn't. I don't know. It's really weird. I don't think I've ever played anything quite like it, just because how everything works. No, yeah, I thought mm. I, I and that's I actually a it was good very thing. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. I because I there's definitely at least for me when I hit into the the Euros, it's it's sort of odd sometimes. Like, what exactly is it about this game or that game that has that unique little thing that makes me feel that oh yeah that was that 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 has one little thing over that differentiates it from 
just the sort of general mass of playing workers and whatnot. How much bonus points does Navigador get because it actually has St. Francis Xavier in it? I don't know. But right, uh, right. on the other hand, uh, Tom Vassell does think that Courtier is really good. So again, we just may not know what we're talking about. Or it may know. just not be a game for us. Yeah. Well, that's uh, kind of the nice thing is they really have they've released four fairly different games uh, yeah, for four yeah. fairly yeah, different I mean, three people. of them are definitely in the Euro game category. Right. I don't, right. but and not, I think that's the intention. I don't think we're going to get the Tempest Cutthroat War game. Although, you, who knows? You could. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, Courtier is more for, like, something you could probably take that to your family gathering or, or whatever. Mercante is also, like, kind of like that Dominaire. You're probably going to need more people who okay, like strategic okay, look, stuff. I liked Mercante, and and my family has played some stuff. Like, I, like Puerto Rico is about the extent of what I can play my... There is no way I could pull out Mercante no. at a family gathering. Mercante's not that much harder than Puerto it's, Rico. It's, I don't. It's not a question of harder than. I don't. I mean, people. Are, I. I don't know. I just think that you'd. Uh, apparently, Mike's family are all like economic economics majors. No, not at no. all. I mean, I would love it if I could. I just don't <laughs> I, I'm know telling, if I would. It. It is simple enough once you get used to it. The, the events is the only thing that would probably get a little bit confusing. We just tell people to ignore. I don't know. I think that the. Uh, but the the point was that they're doing different ranges. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, of of the AEG games that were released at Essen, actually the one that I would most be likely to pull out at a family gathering is the one we're not going to talk about now, which is Guildhall. Duh. Because I actually have played that one with my family already, and they liked it, and the gamer people liked it, so yay. So if you want to hear about that, listen to our next episode where we talk about things that aren't Tempest. So that is the the Tempest line. So as I said, these all were, they were shown at Essen. In uh, in 2012, I think in I think December 2012 was when they all hit stores. I've seen people complaining that Love Letter is hard to get a hold of. I don't know. I haven't seen but it. But I'm sure it'll stores. come back. Yeah, into, right. I mean, that's going to come back into stock. I there's it's a good problem. To love have. Letter is yeah. Love Letter is definitely the one that's been the buzziest. Yeah. On the old yield well, right. interwebs, and I mean, just generally speaking, these have all been great games. So I can't wait to see what else they have for the line. Yeah, oh, I would also say I feel like Tempest and Dominar would have more buzz, but it was really weird because I didn't see anything. Normally, I see things about games beforehand, like a month or two beforehand. But I felt like there was a mum about it, and then even it came out at Essen, I still didn't really see all that much. And then all of a sudden, they dropped in stores like all at the same time. I didn't know what ex- to expect at all. I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, it was. A good line so far in a the whole Euro game thing is is not something that AEG has really done before. And these are all, I mean, these are all designed by different people. Courtier yes. is Philip DeBerry. Uh, I think Tidball did Mercante. Yep, Jeff Tidball and uh, Jim Pinto did, did uh, Dominar. And I can't tell you off the top of my head the name of the uh, Japanese fellow who did Love Letter because I, I'd have to open up the felt pouch. It's not printed on the, the side of the box, and I don't remember it off the top. But but Mike's apparently going to open it up so we can uh, rectify Give, that problem. We're credit we're credit was due. Seiji Kanai, I believe. Now now we need Trevor here. Uh, oh, with your ha- and now Mike's handing it to me as if I'm, I'm gonna yeah it's yeah, yeah Seiji Kanai is how I would pronounce it. Yeah. But we apologize to. Uh, I probably mispronounce half my yeah. personalities anyway. So. Yeah. Well, I don't even know how to pronounce Dominar. I don't. I think you're pronouncing it differently than I am. So. That's okay. I'm a, I'm all right with that. Well, it's since Tempest it's a good ease, game. so it's not <laughs> it's not Italian. We're not mispronouncing it. I don't know. Yeah. So, Courtier, Mercante, Dominar, and Love Letter should all be available now, or Love Letter whenever it is that the next batch of them gets out <laughs> to stores. You could get it. I totally uh, did not see the Love Letter on the side of the bag. Oh stitched no! In yes. the, yeah. No! 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 Yeah. No. It's a nice. It's a nice little felt bag that they have Love Letter in. I kind of wish they would put more of those type of games out. 
Yeah, just in general. Well, this one is do well. Hopefully, yeah. they they that will. Encourages I don't, them to do maybe, more. Yeah. Maybe we'll be uh, amused someday to walk into Target and Love Letter will be hanging there next to the like overpriced magic packs or whatever. <laughs> Mercante, I, I halfway to expect to show up at Target at some point with the, well, the other stuff that they've got or Courtier or whatever. I'm sure that AEG would be ecstatic Static. if that yeah, was yeah. Target. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. But. Yeah, so that's the Tempest line, uh, and for Mike Cook and Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes, or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter. Strange Assembly, either place. Thanks for listening.